Welcome to another episode of Leafs Talk Forever. Uh, as you saw in the intro, Kyle's on the team, but he's not here with us tonight. Just me and Scott. Glad to be with you. We we're struggling there in the beginning with some mic issues, so we're definitely glad to be getting this pod done. Uh, big week ahead of us. Big week got past us with the preseason. So uh, without further ado, we'll hand it to Scott to say welcome, and we'll get going. Uh, well, welcome. <laughs> All right. I don't know buddy's, what else what to do with that. Buddy's still <laughs> learning. All right. That's cool. Um, so, as mentioned in weeks ahead, I'm sorry if you hear a squeaky chair. My chair needs some WD-40. Um, uh, as mentioned in weeks ahead, for the last four or five episodes, we were with uh, the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, great, great place. If you want to join, um, message us. We'll direct you to the right people. If you have a podcast um, or looking to start a sports podcast, this or the other, um, they've got the Pigskin uh, podcast. I think they have the Hoops podcast network, and then they have obviously the Hockey Pod uh, podcast uh, network. Sorry, uh, sponsorships: DraftKings, Raycon. Uh, this week we'll only be hearing from DraftKings though. Um, and then we've got the uh, Sandine signing, preseason injuries. Marner on defense. Uh, we'll go over the preseason recap, some battles that we feel or some battles that I wrote down that I noticed or I've heard, uh, and then some closing remarks. Also should note that me and Scott haven't actually watched a full preseason game due to busyness for my brother's wedding or our brother's wedding, as well as we kicked up ball hockey last night for the first time after two years of that being canceled because of COVID. So, uh, things are starting to feel a little bit more like normal, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, Scott, man, a few words. <laughs> All right, so enough of talking, uh, me talking. Let's hand it to you for some Rasmus Sandin news. Yeah, so uh, long awaited. I think they've been going at it for what? Well, I mean, since last year, I guess. But Rasmus Sandin finally signed uh, two years. Uh, 1.4 this year, 1.6 next year, I believe, and then I think he's eligible at 1.6 for his uh, qualifying offer as well. Um, A little bit less than what was reported even a couple weeks ago of what they were negotiating from from his and his agent side, at least. Uh, So yeah, he falls in line there with with the Lilligren, the same setup as Lilligren has, and he can come in and fill a hole of because there's been a couple injuries on defense and, and hopefully earn his place that he should have had the last season in a bit, but we'll see how that works out. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brandon Freedom was actually the lead negotiator on this case uh, for this contract. So if yeah, he did I, get fleeced, there is no, um, no BS about how Kyle Dubas gave in because it was actually yeah. not Kyle Dubas. Um, I can't remember who it was. I don't remember if it was Chris Johnson or one of them, like a like a beat reporter, like Terry Caution or something. Uh, but they said that apparently, it's from what they they were reporting, uh, Sandini's agent called the Leafs after finding out about all the injuries, and that's apparently was a major factor in them deciding that now would be the time to take the contract because um, the Leafs kind of need defense and he wants to play. So I guess they, they if it was Brandon Freedom, they. Uh, worked out that one deal, but I thought that was interesting because if those injuries wouldn't have happened, would he then have sat out the year? 
or waited until November to get a contract? To be honest, he if, probably would have waited until the first game because Jake Muslin would have been hurt after one. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, like, I think they were, from from what I understood about the tweets, like, it was like a couple, like a thread. Uh, it was like the the, um, the Jordy Ben and, and Carl Dahlstrom. Oh, there. yeah. Like the depth guys. So I don't know, yeah. even there's the Muzzin would have been in. I don't know. If that's 100% accurate, I don't know. That's what I saw. But I thought that was interesting because he, he would have had a spot over those two guys anyway if he would have signed. So I'm not sure why he would wait for them, like an injury or something to happen before he fully decided that he wants to come back. Yeah, kind of strange, but not surprising today's NHL, to be honest. Um With that being said, there's also one other point that I wanted to point out about the situation. So last night was the first time, I think, in Leafs, potentially Leafs history. um, Well, I mean, maybe not Leafs history, but in the last recent years that um, Toronto has played with six uh, left-handed defense. Obviously, they ended the game with four because there's two injuries, and TJ Brody played the right side. So Victor Mete played in last night's game. Uh, Morgan Riley and Giordano. If you were Sheldon Keefe, I guess it, it's not really me pointing out, it's more me asking a question. If Sheldon, if you were Sheldon Keefe and Sandine joined and say in the next week he gets acclimated with the systems again, whatever, whatever, would you potentially start, depending on how they played, would you potentially start Victor Mete in game one or would you just go as Rasmus Sandine based on the situation? Rasmus Sandine. I like Victor Mete. I thought since whenever Montreal, Ottawa, like I, I liked him as a defenseman. I was kind of hoping that he would have became a little bit more than what he turned out to be. But I, I would choose Sandino over Mete, even with the current injuries or potential. If Riley has to play the offside, which was also reported that he was taking uh, right side reps at practice or whatever, but I feel like. You, you you were negotiating for so long. You were worrying that he wasn't going to sign. You were hoping that he would. Reports upon reports upon reports about how you're going to lose him for nothing, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think it was just a no-brainer to that Sandine would start over Victor Mete, even if it takes him a couple games to... Like, they still have a couple of preseason games, but even, like, regular season games, I feel like that, that, lev- that little bit of leeway would be enough so I feel like uh, Sandino over Mete any day. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, I think. However, I would also say that Sandino is nowhere near NHL ready um, like to participate in game one than obviously Victor Mete. It should also be known because a lot of people, including myself, said this before. Uh, they're athletes. They'll, they'll turn around. You know, they'll, they'll come back. They're in, they're in game-ready shape anyways. Uh, well, apparently, according to Elliot Friedman, he said that couple years ago, maybe last year with Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson, I think it was. And I think it was Quinn Hughes who reached out and said like he that made him mad. Because although they might be in like peak performance based on how other people see them, it's still the NHL and it still takes time to get your game legs and get all that. So I thought it was a little interesting because that's how it was gonna like if I if I hadn't heard what that like that interaction between Ellie Freeman and Quinn Hughes, I probably would have came on here and said he's an NHL player start him you know what i mean yeah like put him in the lineup but now i know it's like you know if he's not physically there and i mean chances are he's probably going to be 
physically there. However, if he's not, then I would say Victor Mete. However, again, on the other hand, you also don't want to piss him off after bringing him back if he really is. Anyways, nevertheless, I just wanted to ask you that question. I feel like that could be a lose-lose, though. Like, if if you don't start him and he gets mad, whatever. But then if he, he plays the first game and he plays bad, and then they choose to – or even in the second game, he doesn't play as well as everybody wants him to, then you have not, – not that you have to sit him, but they could sit him. So either way, I feel like if he doesn't doesn't play as 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 well as everybody expects him to, then that's true. I feel like he's going to be mad either way because he's either going to get sat because he's not playing up to standard, or he's not going to start until he's in better shape and and can step into the role that everybody expects him to be in. That's that, that's true. I just think um, I personally do what's best for the team, if you understand what I mean in, in that term. Uh, terms of that sort, but I, I do understand how you know you, that could potentially uh, piss him off. Um, in terms of like as you're saying, and how I mentioned before with Victor Mete, like if Victor Mete is the guy who's ready, like I, I wouldn't just want to piss him off. Is what I'm saying is like, in my opinion, yeah. you just wasted how many months? Like, why would you want to? But at the same time, it's like it's the NHL trying to win games, so. Um, I just want to mention this quick because we, we, we touched on it last week, but last week was a brutal, brutal episode. Um, we felt it was probably one of the worst that we've done. If not the worst since the first one that we did. Um, so we have this new feature where we we're trying to push, uh, YouTube and all this other, um, different, uh, outlets so we can get views and, you know, make money and, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, so what you'll see is you'll see the gray box with our cartoon faces, myself and Scott, because Kyle's not here. When Kyle's here, you'll see him as well. You'll see a Leaf Stock Forever, all our social media links, the DraftKings promo, the Raycon promo, and our little logo in the bottom right. This should be this is should be what you're seeing on YouTube in the next couple of days. Um, I'd imagine I probably we'd be able to push it up tonight or tomorrow. However, this is, should be how it's going to go. Uh, we've got little banners all thrown up here. Just make sure it's, it's the right one this time. Yeah, I, I have been, uh, while we were talking the, earlier just about Rasmus Sandin, sorry, as you'll see, there's a little ticker. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, I've been editing them, making our own in our own little folder so I can just keep, we can just keep popping them out uh, to get people engaged, you know, comment your opinions, all this other stuff. Um, on social media, whatever, uh, DM us on YouTube. I know there is one guy who wants us to talk about CTE. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah that's what it's called. Right? Yeah, CTE um, uh, on this podcast. So we should be able to talk about it. But I would like to incorporate potentially a guest to come on and talk about it, like whether they've experienced CTE themselves or not. Well, I mean, I guess you wouldn't experience CTE, you wouldn't know. Uh, but head injuries themselves and you know what I mean I think that'd be cool because we can only touch on what we can read but I think it'd yeah. be cool to have some athlete in some capacity even if it's just a local athlete from our town to come on and talk about like concussions or this or that um, yeah so we're hoping that everything runs smooth and there won't be massive massive edits or issues 
uh, and everything kind of runs and, and flows smooth so we can push this out. So as mentioned before, Rasmus Sandin signing, we're going to go right into a little preseason action, the injuries that uh, pushed Rasmus Sandin to sign. So uh, some of them will overlap from last week. Scott, you want to touch on the injuries? Uh, yeah. So last night's game we'll start with because they're most recent. Uh was Jordy Ben and Carl Dahlstrom, who are both uh, key depth pieces for the Leafs, who were supposed to be the kind of like rotational guys between HL and NHL. If there was an injury, they'd be called up, or they could potentially make the team right away if they impressed enough. But unfortunately, both of those guys were injured last night, which kind of shorthanded the Leafs. And then um, now they, they have to rely on other sending coming in and Victor Mete and the other guys from the minors to fill those roles that they would have taken. And then prior to that, I think even prior to the first Saturday there where they had the doubleheader, Lilligren, Muzzin, and Engvall all, um, and Tavares were all announced to have kind of nagging injuries that would keep them out. Tavares was minimum three weeks, and the other guys were more like a day-to-day, see how it goes until the season starts and then decide. Yeah, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Tavares is an oblique injury, which I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened, but from media day, both Jake Muzzin and John Tavares said they had a great offseason. They're super excited to get back. They're super healthy, this, that, the other. They've had the whole time to prepare and be physically in shape, the best shape, and then bam. So it, it it is a question on a lot of podcasts, a lot of social media going on right now. Is it is it the the fact that coaches are being too hard on the players to start? Like they're coming in, that's instant bag skates. You know, like like for example, Sheldon Keefe the other day said you need to play physical. Twenty seconds later, stopped the practice, said you need to play more fucking physical, and then made them do laps. Not saying that injured John Tavares, but like when you're doing. 20 minutes of back and forth like laps and then you're expected to play you're you're not used to guys leaning on yet again crunching you in the boards whatever then you're playing preseason do you think it's too much on some of the bigger players like i understand you don't want to have favoritism i get it but at the same time like tavares nylander matthews marner they're they're guaranteed a spot on the team so like i understand the bag skates and stuff but don't you think you should Maybe we should see a turn of the the century in the NHL where guys aren't playing 15 to 18 to 20 minutes in a preseason when they already have a spot. Yeah, I mean, in in terms of the preseason games, I could see it. And obviously, like we've mentioned, we never played what, professional sports or even amateur sports. Uh, we weren't I'm pretty much actually an athlete, but that's okay. Oh yeah, yeah. How could I forget? Um, but I feel like the the off season training also plays a a factor where, especially maybe in the in the media with Toronto, it's and how much they nag on the players. Obviously, this could be true for other teams. I'm not 100 percent sure because I don't follow them as in depth as I follow the Leafs. But it just seems like every day there's articles being written about how Tavares needs to step up and Nylander needs to get more physical and Matthews needs to do this and Martin needs to do that and Bunting needs to do this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera which only plays in your head. So then you put in more effort in the off season training, getting ready for the season. And then by the time preseason does roll around, you're already exhausted, right? 
you've spent so many so much time in the off season training, practicing, doing whatever to get ready for the preseason, which should be what the preseason is for, to get ready for the season. Uh, that by the time the preseason rolls around, you're you're already potentially have a nagging injury, or you strain something, or you you're kind of feeling fatigued, and then you also have to incorporate then the practices, the training, and the preseason games into that. I think that plays a big role in in these injuries too, because like Tavares and them said going into the media day, where they said they were good, but that was only good based on the stuff they've been doing in the off season, right? Then they incorporated yeah. all the other stuff they have to do for the preseason into already doing the off season stuff. And then it just became too much. So I feel like, yeah, cause in other sports you see like NFL and NBA and even in a way, sometimes the MLB, I think the MLB is the only one that's a little different. It's similar to the NHL, but like, the NFL preseason, like if you're like you, if you're the the guy on the team, like you don't play as often as the other guys who are trying to make the roster or, or fight for those spots, right? So I feel like the NHL should try to incorporate that, where especially if players on the level of Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, whatever, like do they really need to play every other game? Well, that's what I was thinking because historically we've seen that the best players. Um, like by week two, I mean, in this case, technically week two to week three, you're going to see of the preseason, you're going to see um, like the best of the best. You know what I mean? You're going to see high level going into the preseason or regular season. You're going to see the best players. You know what I mean? Like things are going to start yeah. shaping up. But why would you want Matthews? Like Keith had Matthews out on Saturday in the second game, apparently, for a whole minute on the penalty kill. I get it. He's in part of team meetings. He he needs practice on the penalty. I get it. Preseason is all about systems and all about getting them in shape. But what happens if he got like a shot block to the hand? Oh, yeah. And he's out and he had to get surgery to replace or uh, repair the situation. And he's out six to eight weeks. That's two months of the season. So now you're looking at December, depending maybe January by the time he comes back. So you just lost what, 15 to 25 goals? Yeah, and you're I right. Like, like, sorry, me? no, no, go. Go. I was just gonna say, say I, I feel like, like... oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you go, you go. Okay, you finish your point, then I'll make mine. Okay, I was just gonna say, the last time I got my haircut, I go to Sports Clips in our local town, and and obviously, I don't know if Sports Clips is in America, but for those in Canada, they play sports on the TV, and it was a preseason game between the Giants and the Jets. And Joe Flacco, I believe that's who the quarterback is, the backup quarterback. He, excuse me, he played literally, I think, eight snaps in the first quarter, and then that was it. Like, that was enough preseason action. Like, they didn't want to risk injury, so they just played him. And then Geno Smith, I think, was the backup quarterback or whomever, no, Tyrone Geno Taylor Smith or some. Seahawks. Whomever the backup quarterback for, I think, the Giants was, they played him the whole game. Their their number one backup, and then he got crunched, and now he's injured. So it's like maybe you should be limiting these players, such as baseball or bat, uh, football does. Sorry, maybe you should be limiting these players and letting uh, show kind of roster battles. You know, yeah, like Ashton Reese and Goddad. Like you put them on separate lines and you play them both eighteen minutes or fifteen minutes, and you see who actually plays better rather than putting. Uh, God dead with Marner and Matthews and putting Zach Ashton Reese with Kyle Clifford and Wayne Simmons. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say um, before you brought up the, the, the Jets-Giants situation, which only adds to it. It's like that situation with Matthews where they wanted to try him out on the penalty kill. That should be practice. Yeah. Like, like in the, the first, I don't know how many preseasons they game, how many preseason games they play now, like what, 10? Eight, seven, I think eight. Somewhere. I think Toronto. I think Toronto plays the most with eight. So, like the first five games of the preseason should just be those bottom six guys and HL guys who you want to be on the team, all fighting for roster spots. Like, like in Toronto's case, like Yarn Croak, Abe Kubel, um, Austin Reese, Dennis Mulgan, like all those guys should have been. Plus the minor league guys, you could throw, I guess, Kerfoot in there if you want, because he necessarily doesn't have a defined spot on the roster. He can play up and down. But like the Matthews, the Marners, the Nylanders, the Tavares, Riley, the goalie situation, I guess, is a little different because you actually want to see what they can do, especially in Toronto's case where you don't know if they're going to do as well as you hope. But like the big five, you can maybe throw Bunting in there to make it six. Like they should have just been only practicing with the team. If you want Matthews to to get penalty kill, like not experience, but like a, um, practice or whatever, to just set up that in a practice, set up that in an out of game situation, and then when he comes in in the final three games where you have more of your defined roster, where there's like two or three battle spots or spots left to battle for, and the big guys come back in, then you could throw him out there on the penalty kill so he can get used to it. I just I, I agree. I, I don't think that playing them every other preseason game. Especially now, like Charles never really had a player like Austin Matthews. Even technically, I guess you could argue Mitch Marner. Like, they've had great players, but I feel like those two, by the end of their career in Toronto, could arguably be the two greatest Toronto Maple Leafs of all time. And then yeah. you're just throwing them out there in random spots in the preseason because you want them to get penalty kill experience or to to see if they can do it in those roles where, like, it's the second preseason game. Why why are you doing that? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. And the thing that like you're, you're I agree two hundred percent with, um, in terms of practice, and 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 that you should be doing in practice because you scrimmage in practice. Obviously, you could literally like you have unlimited amounts of training camp that you could do. Like I understand players don't want to be at training camp every day, and there's like off ice sessions and systems to learn and all that kind of stuff. But let's just say you're 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 four of seven days one of those days could literally just be a i don't know like a mock game a scrimmage and then you're you're awesome out just learn the systems learning what to do this that the other because like as mentioned before with with the injury the risk of injury like toronto maple leaf fans already risk enough having uh, having mitch martin out there as the best best penalty killer on the team like he plays what a, a whole minute minute ten of a power of the opponent's power play, like on the penalty kill, a night like per, like if if Toronto have five penalties, he's probably like six minutes, five minutes of penalty kill time. Like he risks so many injuries, he's not afraid to get like block like in the in the lanes and stuff. Do you, if you risk if you lost him to injury and then you replace his spot with with Austin Matthews and then Austin Matthews is now out for whatever six eight weeks. Now you lost so many points. Like I, I get it. It's just like, to me, to to honestly, there's no difference to me playing, putting Austin Matthews with your your number one penalty kill unit, subtract him, or sorry, power play unit, subtract Austin Matthews, put him on the penalty kill unit in a scrimmage versus playing like 
who was Ottawa in game one? Who was Ottawa's penalty kill or power play unit? Like maybe Giroux was out there. Maybe the Brinkat was out there, but then it's just like a whole bunch of Meyer leaguers. You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, yeah. why would you risk it for guys that could not even make the NHL when you could just put Tavares, Nylander, Marner, Riley, and let's just say Michael Bunting, and then you've got Matthews, Kerfoot, Hall, and Giordano as your penalty kill unit, and you're, you're scrimmaging for five minutes. And it, it's yeah. like it's it's like every time the puck comes out, a new puck comes in. You don't have to race all the way down the ice to get it. It's just constant penalty kill practice. That would to me, yeah. and then the coach can stop it and actually direct him on traffic rather than doing it on the bench. Like I don't know. You're right. It should be done during practice. And like, I mean, yeah, like for the if if it's like, um, I mean, not that Cal Yonkroak won't be important to the least, but uh, like Cal Yonkroak. Yeah, if you want him on the penalty kill, throw him out there during a preseason game. But if it's a player on the level of Austin Matthews where he's 60 goals, 100 points, arguably the second best player in the league, arguably the best player in the league, like why would you even take the chance of putting him out there in a, in a situation that didn't really matter all because you want to see how well he would do on the penalty kill? And I don't know, maybe that was his decision. Maybe he wanted to, to try that. But even then... It's still like you should just worry about doing that in practice until later in the preseason when you have more of a defined roster and then you could throw them out there instead of the second game and risk yep. losing, like you said, 20, potentially 20 goals if he's out for the first three months of the year. I agree. Um, I just I just logged on our our TikTok account to try and like put up the banner, and they changed TikTok yeah. all around. So it gave me some message saying like, like that I like that I personally posted on TikTok, like my own personal t- TikTok account. And I went to it. I was like, what the hell? Like I didn't post anything. And then I just got another message on on the least talk saying, post a video to view what they posted. You're not slick TikTok. Like the hell I thought I was like, someone hacked my TikTok. Like, why would you hack some dude who's just got my only two TikTok videos are just making fun of Montreal when Toronto was up two or three nothing in the playoffs and then they end up losing. <laughs> anyway, anyways, so that kind of goes back to uh the next point that we have is we'll touch on it quick. Obviously, last night Yarn Croak and Kerfoot uh were were filling in on defense. So now they're, they're, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Experimenting with, uh, Marner on defense. Um, what'd you say? I said, I thought you were talking about this. I thought you were talking about something else. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, whatever you said. Okay. Well, it sounded like you said experimenting. So anyways, they're experimenting with Toronto on defense. So Marner. What? Oh yeah. Marner. All right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Marner. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyways, so Marner, apparently they could be using him on the right side, I guess, of Morgan Riley uh, this year, which is um, uh, ultra uh, a waste of time. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I guess we get don't get paid the big bucks to to uh, decide these things. So I don't even want to spend even, much time on it. I just I don't even understand why. I guess it's so like I, if they I get, ever run into a situation. 
where they've he's good injuries. He's good. He's good defensively. I, I get that, like penalty kill role, whatever. But like, you could just put Brody, Giordano, Riley, Sandine, Lilligren, and then just have a call up play seven, eight minutes a game. Like, why, 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 why even worry about putting Mitch Marner on defense when you could, you could just play Morgan Riley and everybody else, like an extra three, four, five minutes a game, and then just have a guy or like a role playing defenseman. Who just comes in in certain situations in the game? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I guess it's for such. I, I mean, it's weird. It's it's obvious, obviously just a new thought that they have since last night. Um, but I would imagine it's probably because, like, in case they ever lose defense. But at the at the same time, why wouldn't you put out a rotation of Zach Ashton Reese or? Uh, God dead or Abe Kubel or Mal, you know, rather than like, I, I, again, it goes back to the, part of me. I forgot about Justin Hall. Oh yeah. Who, who didn't, um, <laughs> it just goes back to the point that we made earlier. It's like you're, you could potentially risk, you could potentially risk injury for a long term, for a long term, uh, timeline by putting Mar- Mitch Marner on defense. Like he's on defense and he's stopping a, I don't know. Let's just say Shea Theodore slap shot. Bust up his hand, bust up his ankle. What then? Now you're down a defenseman and one of your best players. Like it just seems like, I guess they're just trying to be different. I don't know, but it's. It just seems like Sheldon Keith's come into this, uh, this training camp with a, a fire lit under him. Like oh my gosh, if I don't do well, I'm gonna get fired. So let's just try a whole bunch of random things, and hopefully there's a method method to the madness. That's what it seems like to me. Doesn't this guy's on the lunch? Like there is, Pardon me. Yeah, I said it doesn't seem like there's a method. Oh it no, just definitely. Seems like whatever pops into his head, he just wants to try, and I don't really understand. Uh, so quickly, I just want I just want to. Pardon me. Like they even have Victor Mete. Like even if he plays his offhand for nine minutes a game, like why? Why even think? Oh, you know what we should do? Put Mitch Marner on defense. Like I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, you I have, agree. You you already have six NHL defensemen. Plus you have Victor Mete. Plus you have Jake Muzzin and Carl Dahlstrom and Jordy Ben, who will be coming back. So I, I don't know. I don't know why that's even a thought. Me either, man. Um, I just saw, I just got a notification on Facebook here, and it says that apparently, I don't believe this at all, but apparently Elliot Freeman on the 32 Thoughts podcast, which I believe I've listened to all of the most recent podcasts that have been out. Anyways, apparently he said that the Leafs will factor McDavid into their long-term plans for Cap. Toronto was willing to go all out to pursue Connor McDavid. I don't, believe that. I don't believe that. I've literally listened to every single Third Two Thoughts podcast since I started working at my current job, which was a year ago, like on the 8th of this month. So that's like all but the summer, and there hasn't been one talk of – like the, he's been talking about how the cap's supposed to be going up, but I never once heard that it was supposed to be McDavid. There's always been that they're expecting the cap to go up to benefit Toronto and Austin Matthews. Yeah. All right, so uh, quickly, there's not going to be a betting segment again 
because Kyle's not here. But however, I do have a little bank story. Sports, um, not gonna name. It's too late now. But anyways, not gonna name the betting site. Uh, anyways, but uh, I got a free twenty dollar bet. So I threw it down on all the football games last Sunday that were still actively playing, and I needed, I think it was five games. Four of them hit that night on the Sunday night. I accidentally bid on uh, bet on the Giants. Uh, who are they playing? Cowboys. Cowboys game on the Monday night football, the primetime game. It was under 39. They hit right on 39. So that got pushed off the betting slip. So uh, $20 could have paid me 466. I ended up winning 300 and, or sorry, $236 um, on a free, on a free betting, uh, a free bet. So if you use the promo code THPN, at DraftKings, you'll get, uh, and you sign up, you'll get some other special promos, other deals. There's lots of different components to the app. Uh, there's live betting. Uh, you can bet in advance, obviously. there's I believe there's casino betting, like slots and all that kind of stuff where you put money in and uh, just be safe with it. Uh, in a couple minutes, we'll get a word from our sponsor, which is DraftKings, as I mentioned before. But uh, yeah, there won't be much of a betting segment. Um I, I can't I can say this. I'll ask you this, Scott. Tonight, the Miami Dolphins, uh, I think it's the 49ers. Who, I forget who they play. Is it the 49ers that they play? I, I don't know. Anyways, that game is over under 30, uh, 49. What would you take? Under. Under? Like 49 points total? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd go under that. Oh, sorry. It's the Bengals. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, basically... I end of the first and they're already at 10 points yeah i think i'd go under that i know my miami's 3-0 and with tyree kill and uh uh whatever the other wide receiver's name is i can't remember his name right now they have a chance to put up some points with uh if Tua plays i don't know if he is playing but i feel like i don't think they're gonna get to 49 well i know who you should bet on cooper rush that guy uh broke oh, my heart probably. the other night yeah, broke my heart. I was like, yeah. oh, man, I'm going to do it. I was texting the group chat. Kyle said, don't worry about it. They'll just kick a field goal. Nope. <laughs> oh, sorry. He said, don't worry about it. They're just going to run the clock out. Nope. The Giants kicked a field goal. I'm like, Kyle, you even know football? <laughs> Kyle doesn't know predictions, though, because this offseason, Scott Scott saw this. This offseason, we had a, uh, a prediction where you – you predicted what would happen in the future uh, based on off-season movement, and he put Evgeny Malkin one B return in Pittsburgh. That night, I think Evgeny Malkin signed a contract <laughs> with Pittsburgh. So and don't listen to Kyle on any future yeah. Uh, predictions. Yeah, especially football because uh, he told, he picked Kansas City and Indianapolis once. So. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. and he also picked the Bills, didn't he? And didn't uh, the Bills lose to Miami? Yeah, yeah. I did he, he pick? Did. I think he picked. I think, no, I think I think he picked Miami. Oh, did he? Okay, well, yeah. I guess he's one for one. We'll give him that. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let, let's just get a word from our sponsors now, and then we'll uh, cruise back into. We've got recaps from the preseason games. That segment or that uh, conversation that we just had went way too long, I think. But whatever. Uh, we got preseason uh, re- a recap, and then some preseason news slash battles that we'll talk about. Oh, write down this promo code. Use it. Win some money. 
the NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team uh, to win and win $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever, so why not bet on football? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once a day, all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets when you place just a $5 bet on any football game. That code is THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See notes for details. We are back. How would you say? Difficult ad read for some reason. For some reason, when I'm planning on reading, my brain just mushes up. See? Mushes up everything. So I was... There are so many uh, mistakes in that. I apologize. Um, All right. So we got the Ottawa doubleheader on Saturday, the 24th of September. Game one. Toronto won 4-1. Alex Steves got two goals. One was an empty netter. Our main man, Justin Hall, J-Dog, got one. And Dennis Mulligan had the other. Notable player of this game that everyone seemed to be talking about was Mark Giordano. He had three points. And then uh, I'll take the second game here. Uh, Toronto, Ottawa again at 7, 7.30. Uh, Toronto lost 4-2. Cali Yarncroke had two, almost a third when they pulled their goalie. He hit he hit the post slash crossbar. Um. And he would add a hat trick. I think there was one play when Austin Matthews dished on the puck from the high slot, like right at the hash marks, and he uh, he beamed it over the goal shoulder top shelf. So he's looking in tip top form, which I'm excited about. Uh, Sky, you want to take the Montreal game? Uh, yeah. So the Montreal game, which happened last night, uh, yeah. Toronto won 3 0. Uh, Dennis Mulgan, Nick Robertson, and Abergezi. Uh, oh, okay, Gordon Miller. <laughs> and the Abergezi goal was set up, at least from what we heard when we were driving home from ball hockey there, from Joe Bowen, uh, a nice a nice uh, assist from Will, William Nylander. Yeah, so from what I heard about that one, because obviously I mentioned we didn't watch it, was it was actually meant for Joey Anderson. But I guess... Oh, the pass? Joey Anderson. Yeah, Joey Anderson missed it or it got deflected. I'm hoping to was, watch. Was, I know there's one on tomorrow night. I'm hoping to watch that. They play yeah. Ottawa again. It was hard to tell on the radio because it was just kind of in the middle of Joe Bowen and the other announcer t- telling stories about the 72 oh, series. Yeah. And, and then Joe Bowen just stopped his story, yelled out, nice feed from Nylander, yada, yada, yada. And then just went right back to his story. So he didn't Holy milk and mention off. that. It was yeah, he didn't mention it was supposed <laughs> to go to uh, Anderson or not. He just he just said Nylander with a nice pass, average easy scores or whatever. Why did uh, why when I said Holy Milkana did you just pause for a second and then? Because I have no idea what you're head. talking about. Because <laughs> remember Toronto is sponsored by Milk. 
Yeah, so why did you say Holy Nokia? I said on the radio the other, like, the other week, someone said that it would be funny if Joe Bowen switched from Holy Mackinac to Holy Milkinaw, and I said that to you guys two oh, weeks yeah. ago or one week ago, and you guys said that's terrible. I'm going to get oh, yeah, you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. okay. Now Got right. milk? Yeah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wish. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Dennis Morgan seems to be the man, uh, the man who's going to be making the team here. It appears. I mean, it sucks. It really sucks that we, I mean, it doesn't suck on the Saturday. Our brother got married, but it sucks that we can't get a, a, a live stream going when we, when we go to blogging and stuff, because it would be sweet to watch that while we're taking breaks. I mean, I tried, but then every time I got set up on my phone, someone would sub off. So that kind of sucked, but it's just like, it's, it's difficult, especially in preseason. Cause I, some people say the games don't matter. I actually say this all the time. It's like, eh, whatever. But at the same time, it, it's nice to know kind of where where players are, you know, because everyone, like Pontus Holmberg, for example, everyone's super high on him. But it's like I physically haven't watched one game with him in it for the Leafs. Yeah. You know, it's, it would be nice to actually sit down. So I think I'm going to sit down tomorrow night. I'm just going to bust out that game, watch the whole thing, and see who I like. I hope that some of these players play because there is some things that we're going to talk about here in a second that, that seem to be very um, – exciting in terms of being a Leafs fan in the future. Yeah, so let's um, bring her right in with the – pardon me? It's always annoying me when people say the games don't matter. Like the, the outcome doesn't matter, but the game itself actually matters because there's a whole bunch of players fighting for roster spots that – right? So like when people say yeah. preseason games don't matter, like I get that they're technically talking about the outcome, but like because the games technically do matter matter to the players playing in them they just don't have a record or like the outcome doesn't affect anything yeah it's yeah it's true i said this last night actually i said this to my girlfriend i was like yeah i don't care really like i care but it's like yeah the game doesn't matter like i was happy that i went to ball hockey but then after i was like would would have been nice to see it because i mean even with four defense they still whooped Montreal's behind. So, <laughs> future's not looking bright for for Montreal, huh? Yeah. Slapkowski who? Yeah. How about Young Crow? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I think he's actually only played one <laughs> preseason game. If I, I think uh, Shane, Shane Wright played last night or two nights ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Heard he's still shaking his head over to Logan Cool again, picked before him. Oh, yeah, still giving the death stare to Montreal's draft table. Yeah. He's like the guy from Sibashemi uh, from, what is it, Billy Madison? You know, when he apologizes and he, like, takes his lips. Like, oh, yeah. Um, his name. Uh, yeah, Billy Madison. That's yeah. Shane Wright. He calls him to apologize. Yeah. That's definitely Shane Wright-esque. Um, so, yeah, Pontus Holmberg. Seems to to impress quite a bit. Has seemed to impress. Interesting fact about him. He's from such, so north of Sweden. Like in Sweden, he's so far north in Sweden that he doesn't actually understand English at all. I guess if you go really, really, really north, yeah, in Sweden, they don't speak English at all. Like main parts of Sweden do, Stockholm, this, that, the other. But he's from such, like, like the top of Sweden. I don't even know what city, what country, or what um, 
what the city name is, what province or whatever they call state, whatever. If anyone could help us out, that'd be cool. However, yeah, he doesn't understand any English. So, what are you laughing at? You were just struggling. I didn't know if it was, like, in America, they call them states. In Canada, they call them provinces. What do they call them in um, Europe? I, I, I think each country has its own thing. I don't know if Sweden has that. Well, regardless, like, the city that he's from. If they have, um, so he just has what a translator then that follows him around. I have no idea. I'm I'm gonna assume that he doesn't need a translator, seeing how there's some Swedish players on the team. But like, I don't even know what's what. I know this might sound dumb, but what type of Swedish he speaks? Because apparently, there's numerous different variations of Swedish. Yeah, I think whoever told you that is lying to you. What? Because the city he's he's from, it says it's like Vesteris, which is just near Stockholm, which is at the south part of Sweden. Okay, well, literally every every person I've ever taught or heard talk about this guy, yeah, says that he's from the northern part of Sweden. Hmm. That's weird. I don't know. Because yeah, uh, on. Uh... It says he's from Vesteris or whatever, and then if you look up on the map, it, it's it's like a hundred. It says it's a hundred kilometers west of of Stockholm, which is in the southern part of of Sweden. Yeah, it literally is. Yeah, so I'm not really sure what kind of fibs these people are saying. However, allegedly he doesn't understand English, and they say it's because he's from the northern part of Sweden, but obviously that isn't true. Excuse me. I mean, if, if if that is true and just the information we are looking at now is wrong, that's still interesting that there's regions yeah. of of Sweden that, I mean, not that English would be important to them because they're not, they're Swedish, but the, the main parts of most European countries, I think, are, have some English speaking people, so. Just looking it up. Although more than 80% of people in uh, Sweden speak English. Yeah, so I have no idea if that's actually accurate, so I probably shouldn't have said that because that just makes us look dumb. However, <laughs> hey, blame was... it on uh, David Alter. Hey, oh, I said us as a podcast, buddy. <laughs> no, on his podcast. Oh. Was, oh, maybe was, he got bad information. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jeff Merrick said it too. So, it could be the situation where because the city's so far north, no one really knows. You know, like how uh, what's his name, Steve Thomas, was actually from England or something, but or William Nylander, like he's actually oh, yeah. he says he's from Sweden. So maybe he actually is from a city that's farther north, but he just lists the city that he's like built out of. Yeah, or true. That people say he's from as that one, so it's easier. Well, you know what's actually hilarious is he could have been, excuse me, sorry about that. He could have been born in his Vesteris place or whatever and actually just lived most of his life yeah, northern. Yeah, that's what I Did mean. Did you just I, say yeah. that? Okay. Um, but no, I didn't say that exactly, but that's along the same lines of what I was saying. Yeah. Because like he grew like, up in the area but was born in somewhere else. I can't believe this, but people actually think William Nylander is from Chicago. Chicago? Yeah, because apparently, well, he was born in Calgary. Yeah. He he spent most of his summers in Sweden, 
But there's a stretch where Michael Nylander played for for Chicago, and he played junior hockey in Chicago with uh, Nate Schmalt and someone else on his line, Christian Dvorak, I think. So apparently, people think that he's Swedish. American people think that he's Swedish. I've listened to numerous people on American podcasts. <laughs> Sorry, I meant uh, from Chicago. I've listened to numerous people from. Uh, you got me all confused. I've listened to numerous people from the United States on podcasts say that William Nylander is built out of Chicago. <laughs> However, he's not. He's built out of Sweden, and I believe the second country that he nationality that he talks about is um, a Canadian. So, I don't know. I'm going to have to meet him and talk to him. <laughs> yeah, Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, 40 minutes played each, 16 saves, no goals. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, take it with a grain of salt because it is preseason, so they're not playing always the best competition. And probably by next game, they they could keep going at this level. But I don't think that they will. Like it's 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 a good start for them, obviously, because of the uncertainty of them playing based on the last year and Matt Murray's last couple seasons. But like if if you if you argue that that players playing well, unless they're like guys fighting for last line spots or whatever, uh, if you argue that the that the preseason doesn't really matter, then you can't really be throwing that Matt Murray and Samsonov are having great preseasons around because we already know they're going to be the goalies. So you just have to make sure that that you're doing that in the season and not in the preseason only. Yeah. I still think that Samsonov's going to get most of the workload. Like not, I mean, I shouldn't say most, I should say more of the workload. I'm not going to say that he's going to get most because it's probably going to be a relatively split down, a relatively split down the middle. However, Eric Schalgren played really well last night as well. Apparently he's been moving well, sees the angles well, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, he's a good third string to have. And with the injuries on Matt Murray, it's good to have, you know, someone who can step in and kind of be a backup. Yeah. Um, last, last week we talked about Matt Murray potentially being the LTIR space. Well, some people have yeah. been talking about it on sports radio. They think that there could be a chance that Tavares' contract goes on LTIR, depending on how long he's going to be hurt. Because like three weeks is is a portion, a good portion of the preseason, right? So if that actually gets extended and he's out long term, that would provide Toronto a lot of cap space. Obviously, yeah, I don't, I don't see him being out that long. Though. Yeah, me either. However, it would be not nice for Toronto because we need him. But, like, I mean, this was before the rest of sending. But Brent Freedom is definitely going to need to um, balance the books close because they're in a bind. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't see him going long-term, though. But they definitely need to do something. I, I, at this point, I don't know what it is. Is there an echo? There's no echo. Oh, okay. Sound like there's an echo. I don't know what it is at this point, obviously, with Muzzin and, and Lilligren and Ben and, and Dahlstrom out. Obviously, Justin Hall's needed if that was the move they were looking to make. And if 
Muzzin doesn't play preseason and Lilligren comes back two weeks into the season, then you can't really move Justin Hall right now or you can't move uh, Kerfoot or whatever to clear that cap space. So I, I don't really know what the, the plan is to clear that room because when everybody comes back, they're, they, they're definitely going to need to move someone. Yeah. Um, look, I'm just going to name off the players that we have listed and then after we'll talk about a couple things. So uh, Pontus Holmberg, has been the one that uh, people have deemed impressed the most. Uh, and then we've got Des Mulgan, who, as mentioned before, looks to be the one who's going to make the team on that open roster spot for the Ingvall slash uh, second line forward that we're missing. And he's got some good chemistry with William Nylander, so it makes sense, which kind of is interesting because William Nylander, Des Mulgan, and Pontus Holmberg all have seems to have really good chemistry with each other. So, I mean, not down the road, but there could be a chance where those three players see a little bit of ice time this year if Holmgren, or Holmberg sorry, gets called up. Uh, Morgan, Morgan will probably end up seeing a decent amount of ice time with the Leafs, which one thing that people have noticed is he's improved his two-way game drastically. He's better defensively than he was when he came here. Uh, so that's kind of... Uh, an added bonus because he could end up slotting into that third line and play a little defense, uh, defensive hockey. Uh, Nick Robertson again seems to be on the outside looking in. Toronto gave him specific, specific um, adjustments that he needs to make to his game. And yet every time that he's put on a Toronto Maple Leaf jersey, he plays the exact same way. He forces the game. He forces the puck to try and come to him. He's always looking shoot first, pass later, which – is cool and all, sure, but at at some point when the team is telling you basically you're one-dimensional and you need to change things, and then other people are beating you in the depth chart, you might want to look at yourself and change things. Like It just seems like common sense now. Like I, I have a feeling I know what's going to happen. He's going to get sent down. He's going to ask for a trade. Yeah, Which, probably. Furthering that point, Buffalo reached out to Dallas apparently last night, yesterday, to talk about Jason Robertson. And what the price point would be because they can't afford to sign him longer than like six million dollars for three years, is what apparently they want to give him, and he wants eight, eight times a nine or something like that. So, I could see a world where Buffalo could not. It's not necessarily possible, but I could see a world where Buffalo tries to take a, a pitch on both of them, tries to get Jason Robertson, logs him up, get, gets Nick Robertson. Toronto could probably get. Uh, something back, whether it be uh, a depth player or depth player and picks, obviously they're going to get something. It just kind of sucks because the reason why they picked Robertson over Dennis Mulgan in the bubble was because Robertson was like shelling goalies in the OHL. And since then he hasn't changed anything. He's just been trying to shell goalies. He tried to show goalies in the AHL and he's trying to destroy them. Which like he's trying to put 10 shots on a game. I got a goalie, and he did that in apparently Traverse City, and he got beat on by Nick Abrazizi as the best player in the tournament. Uh, I, I mean, take that as you want because Nick Abrazizi is not a bad hockey player by any means, but it just sucks because there's so much potential behind this guy, and now it seems like it's just another one of those players that Toronto has had in their organization that we either rushed or the media hyped too much, and now we're going to see the downfall mm-hmm. to him, which... Again, like no one wants to see that because there's a spot open right on the t- uh, right on the second line for him. You know what I mean? Like it's right there. All you need to do is wake up, see what 
that the team's telling you to do and just try it. But apparently they're like, not that he's not trying, but he still reverts back to the same old Nick Robertson. So hopefully they get that switch or he gets that figured out soon. Um, and as we mentioned before, the, the Matt Rob, uh, Matt Robertson, sorry, the Matt Murray and the Ilya Simsonov battle is kind of unique because they both played 40 minutes, 16 saves each, never haven't allowed a goal this far. You got to think though, they're, they're battling for, uh, the number one position they're battling for job security. Uh, they're battling to see another day in the NHL. Not so much Ilya Samsonov because although he like had offers and stuff, if he, if it doesn't work out, he'll probably just go back to Russia and be like top three goaltender in Russia's history. You know what I mean? Like the KHL history. Let's, let's be real. He's not a bad talent. I think you'll see him potentially be the goalie in the future for Toronto. I don't think also Toronto's had a Russian goalie. I can't think of one. Um, I cannot I, think of I, a Russian goal. Off my head, I can't think of one now. Like, I think I looked back even 10 years, 20 years. Vesta Tosco, was that 15 years ago? And I, I couldn't think of one. At Belfort before that, Curtis Joseph, Felix Potvin. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't I think of one. I don't think they've ever had one. So he might be the first Russian goalie that Toronto's ever had, which is kind of cool. Uh, the next battle is Zach Ash and Reese, um, Abe Kubel, and Wayne Simmons. So I told you the other day, Scott, that it was Zach Ash and Reese who crushed Josh Norris. It was actually uh, Abe Kubel who did that. And apparently it was from behind. I didn't think it was necessarily that bad, but uh, they're crushing guys. Zach Ash and Reese and Wayne Simmons both had four hits the other day. Abe Kubel also had, I think, three or four hits in the one game that he played. It's like, we're now, we mentioned this the other week, we're now transitioning from that tough, let's throw down the gloves mentality in the bottom, on the last line to like actually like a grit line where they go on and they're, and they're crushing guys and they're getting four to six hits a game. You know what I mean? Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, and obviously I wasn't old enough to remember, but from what I hear of like in 93 with Peter Zezel and all them where they weren't necessarily, they were tough, but they weren't like... Colt Nor or Bob Probert drop the gloves, punch in the oh, face. Yeah. They were more dig in the corner or wear you out by controlling the puck and cycling around kind of thing. I think it's cool, though, if we have two lines, like the, the bottom six is is that that kind of style. So you've got the Camp Ingvall, say Camp Ingvall and Yarncroke or Kerfoot. They come out, they're wearing the offense down. Or sorry, they're wearing. Well, I guess technically the offense, but they're wearing the top line on the other team down, and then they switch off. The top line stays on for the other team, or even the second line, and then you got say Zach Asheris, God Dead, and Abe Kubel, and they're just going on crushing. You know, like within yeah. a span of two three minutes, that line is now worn down, and then you've got Toronto to play their top your top lines against. I mean, not only working a matchup favored where you're when you get last change. But it's just kind of nice, I think, rather than transition to like a guy gets hit and you're just like, oh, don't worry, Wayne Simmons will get him. To a guy gets hit, well, maybe Ashton Reese will take a run on another guy and crush him. And yeah. and to speak about Godet, I told you to say there's a there's a rumor out there that he, when he signed with Toronto, he, he got signed, kind of like a unique situation like Michael Bunting, where he got signed into a role with Toronto, but that role is expanding. Like that's that was the premise of the contract. It's like there's a chance for you to play up the lineup and there's a chance for you to play down the lineup, and we need you to do both. 
similar to Michael Bunting. He did that last year a little bit. He played, obviously, a duration of the season, uh, 90%, 80%, 85% with Matthews and Marner. But there's a chance that Goddard, you'll, you might see him with Tavares and Nylander come like when Tavares is back. How would you feel about that? Uh, I mean, I don't – obviously, it's, you can't really tell, right? Like last year when they did it with Michael Bunting and they announced like he has potential to move up and down the lineup, whatever, and you're like, why would you want him to? And then he started he started playing and – and it, it worked out like they put him with Matthews and Marner and, and he was working out and he was producing whatever and kind of took the spot from Nick Ritchie. But I, I don't see him working out twice. I feel like uh, Adam Gaudet. It was Adam Gaudet, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't I don't feel like he's going to, to follow the same path as, as Michael Bunting and he'll, he'll just continue to play on that bottom six, potentially just last line. I don't see him moving up to a top six second line role, putting up 40, 50 points. I see him more as the last line guy for most of the season. Well, it's kind of interesting though, because like coming into last year, we thought Nick Ritchie was going to be Michael Bunting. And then Michael Bunting was the Michael Bunting. So relating that to this year, there's potentially Zach Ashton Reese if he signs a contract. Hopefully he does. There's Abe Kubel. There's Dennis Mulligan. There's potentially Nick uh, Nick Robertson, potentially Pontus Holmberg. You know, like there's an Alex Steves is another guy. Like you've got five, six guys who could actually end up taking that role. Like it's it typically for Toronto, I find the one guy that they press is going to be that one dude on the team that comes in, scores 40 points, has 200 hits, you know, a, a presence up and down the lineup in the locker room, this, that, the other, a big guy. I mean, not that I'll, uh, God did as big, but you know what I'm talking about, that one player that they always talk about getting. Mm-hmm. It always seems to be some complete opposite guy to that, like Michael Bunting. So I guess there's some comparables in their game with they're a little bit chirpy, they're smaller guys, they've got skill, kind of overlooks their whole career. However, I do see that not being God Ed. I think it's probably going to be my pick. I think it would probably be Abe Kubel or Dennis Mulligan. That's going to be the one guy that we shock, or we're not super shocked by, but. You also got to, like, who's who's going to bump down, though? Right? Because, like, you still have Kerfoot, Yarncroak, Engvall, and Camp. So if Godet moves up, are you are you bumping Camp down? Are you bumping Engvall down? Are you shifting Yarncroak down? Yeah, that's another thing. Like, right now, the way that they're slotted, They've got Matthews, Tavares, Camp slash Kerfoot, and then Camp slash Godet on their down their their middle of the lineup. But like Godet, their thing about using slash uh, center and uh, winger, Kerfoot and Yarncroke are both center slash wingers. So it's like I don't know how they're gonna they're gonna shape up. Is Camp now moving down to the last line and being on that defensive minded line, or is he gonna be that third spot with Kerfoot? Or sort of Ingvall, him, Kerfoot, him, him, Ingvall, or Yarncroke. Like I have no idea. But it's said that Dennis Mulligan is going to take Ingvall's spot and potentially take the top six spot. So when Ingvall comes back, who's gone? Well, if, if Mulligan can, can come in and play well, which all indication in preseason so far is that he might just do that, then I, I feel like 
Kerfoot, Engvall, Yarncroke is your second or third line, and David Camp bumps down, and then Autumn Goddard is the odd man out. Because so that in that case it would be Asim Reese, Camp, and Bakebell. Yeah, and then Yarncroke, depending on whoever they want, I guess you could alternate sides based on hand, because both Kerfoot and Yarncroke can play center. Yeah, and they're opposite hands. Yeah, but but then you also, if Autumn get it, Adam got it, impresses. Like, are you sitting Austin Reese? Are you sitting Abe Kubel? Are you sitting Engvall? I don't see them sitting that, Kerfoot unless they. That's trade the him. other thing. It's I like, don't see them sitting Yarncroke. Ashton Reese was signed to replace Kerfoot or Engvall because Engvall's injured. So, like, how long? Like Kyle said, what two weeks he was supposed to be injured for? Yeah, I think I'm starting to think that maybe what. I said, yeah, I think it was two weeks, something like that. I'm starting to think that maybe they could see him out being out long term because, like, I don't know. It just seems like they'd invite a guy to a PTO. They're probably end up going to sign him because he fits the role that they want, which is good because he got depth. But it's like, okay, so they can do a rotation with every night or every couple of nights they rotate players. But like, do they have a cap for that? Probably not. No. So it's like. I don't know. I, I I just I'm at a loss of what the lineup's actually going to look like. Yeah, I think right now, Morgan is the odd man out. Even if though he isn't pressing, Morgan, I don't he, think so. I do. Because you like you have Matthews, Marner, Bunting, Kerfoot, Nylander, Tavares. Although Tavares is hurt, I know, but Jan uh, Kroke, Engvall, Ker, um, Kampf, and then Gaudet. Abe Kubel and Austin Reese. Yeah, but Austin Reese technically isn't signed to a contract. Yeah, but I mean, true. But like, I I I feel like they're going to give him a contract. Yeah, me too. But I mean, like, technically, like, if you're right, he he probably is going to get one. But I mean, like, truthfully, you could just put. Um, I mean, I would want him on the team, but if Ingvall's or sorry, Morgan's playing that well, and you could do a. Uh, Ingvall, um, Kerfoot, Yarncroke, say third line. Like, I would probably sit Goddet. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, that was gonna, like, that was my point. Is uh, right now, Malgin is impressing, but who's to say by the end of preseason he's still playing like that, right? Yeah, that's true. I just, I feel like just how they've talked about like, him is right. Like, well, yeah, Dennis right Malgin's now he's winning. Right now he's winning his spot, but that doesn't mean he's going to still have a spot by the time the season actually starts, right? Whereas yeah, all the other I mean, guys like on it's the team, I feel like... easier with Tavares out. Maybe not Gaudet, but I feel like all the other guys are pretty much a lock to make the team. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, yeah, it's easier because cause Tavares is out, so that pushes Ingvall, or um, Kerfoot up. With Morgan and say mm-hmm. William Nylander, and then you got Yarncroke with Camp and Ingval and Goddard, Abe Kerbel, and say God, uh, who am I missing? Ashton Reese. But at the same time, it's like I just don't know. I, I feel like just how the coaching staff and the media and everything has talked about Dennis Morgan, it seems like they really want him on the team. So I'm I'm at a, I'm at a loss of what this is going to look like, and it's it's weird because. You can say wait till the last preseason game, but if Goddett's in the last preseason game and Morgan played the second last preseason game, like that could be a change that they can make before the regular season. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So it's like I don't actually know when when to tell people or when to actually start looking at things and be like, okay, we're getting serious now. Yeah, I I feel like if if Morgan makes the team, then Goddard's gonna be the odd man out. I feel like but even like, though Austin, Austin Reese is on a PTO, I I think they're gonna sign him, and I, I feel like Goddard will be that extra that they'll have to call up for the minors whenever they can. I think that, but I, I think just have a feeling hope. right now that Morgan isn't going to continue on the pace or the, the level of play he's going at, and everybody's going to hop back off the bandwagon and, and then he'll be the odd man out. That's just a feeling I have. I hope for Toronto's case that they can work it in the cap to have like an extra forward on their team. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do that though, because they're I already. I have no idea. Unless they put someone on LTIR, but then they won't have that extra. But as of right now, they're. they're if Tavares is on the team and Muzzin and all them, they're like, what, 2.6 over or something with San Diego contract? Yeah, but I mean, you can't go off cap friendly because cap friendly has people on the team that aren't on the team. Listen, well, no, like, true, but like Wayne even if you probably take, not going to make it, Kyle yeah. Clifford probably not going to make it. But, but that's still only like, what, 1.7? So they'll still be just under well, a million over? Together, if you had all those all those three players coming off, that'd be like 2.2. 2. Wait, who's the other guy? Kerfoot. Or sorry, Clifford Simmons and Robertson all on the oh, NHL yeah. cap right now. Which I don't know how cap friendly works though, because like they could be listed on their cap, but cap friendly could not use their cap hits. You know what I mean? Because they're yeah. technically could be sent to the minors. But I know Kyle, or Wayne Simmons will probably have to clear waivers, which if he could. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, the chances of that, I have no idea. But it's like I don't see a world where Toronto has Wayne Simmons on their last line. And if they do, it's like, okay, obviously he's playing five minutes a game. But in my opinion, it's time to get rid of that. It's time to get rid yeah, of someone think, playing five minutes a game. I think you should be playing 18 or 19, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 13 minutes, 11 minutes. Like you should be kind of s- switching, you know, like spreading out the minutes a little bit so then you're not dog tired by the end of the season. And there's still time. Yeah. Like people are saying, there's not time for. Then there's no time for Austin Matthews to score. Like, if he's not playing 20 minutes, or he is playing 20 minutes, let's just say in the perfect world, you've had two power plays and two penalty kills. Austin Matthews is going to play at least two minutes of those penalty kills. Sometimes, depending on the situation of the game, he might play the whole two minute power or power play. Sorry, uh, he might play two minutes of those power plays, and then depending on the time in the, in the game where you get the power play, he might play the full two minutes of one of them. Mitch Marner's probably playing two minutes of the penalty kill plus power play minutes. So there's a time where you could be smart about it and maybe not shift Matthews and Marner together one shift and put Zach Ashton Reese or Abe Kubel or whomever on that line with them. You know, there's yeah. lots of minutes to be spread, but I have a feeling that they're going to still revert back to the Matthews going to get 22, 23 minutes a minutes a game. Tavares is probably going to come in around 18, 19. And then you're looking at a, nine to 11 minutes for camp's line and then a two minute game for, you know, like I just hope that they actually switch it up and, and be smart about um, shifting and then defense. I mean, like, I mean, I don't, I don't really have too much to say about the shift. However, I guess you'd like. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I don't know exactly the numbers, but, Obviously, Matthews will get the around 20 minutes a game. And Marner, Bunting maybe not. I think maybe at times they'll they'll sub other players in on that, like to give Nylander or Tavares or whatever a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. 
But I feel like, yeah, the last line needs to to play a little bit more than five minutes a game, especially if they're going to be that in-your-face, uh, gritty body check instead of just the try-to-punch-you-in-the-face line. And, and like, no offense to Spezza, but like he was he was older, right? So Yeah, to him, be honest, though, him, like, I think Spezza on a line with Abe Kubel and Zach Ashton Reese, like I would still like I'm I no offense to Adam Gaudet. He could be a really good player and in two weeks, three weeks, two months, we could be like, let's go Adam Gaudet. But I would still like Jason Spezza on this team one more time. No, no, no that's not, I meant like it was easier to shift him only five minutes because yeah. of the age as opposed to um like Abe Kubel or Austin Reese who who are gonna wanna play eight nine or more minutes a game or whatever, right? Yeah. No, I, I wasn't saying that you weren't saying that. I was just meaning, like, I would personally like Jason Spencer back on this team one more time. J- even if it is just five minutes, I just I feel bad for the guy. Took all those discounts, had all those great speeches. <laughs> basically, basically became Prime Minister of Canada. And then that's it. Prime, I wouldn't say you know? Prime Minister of Canada. <laughs> nah, pretty much Jason Spencer is a well-liked dude. So, yeah. I don't know. Many people may not know this. I don't know if I've ever talked about it, but I pretty much want to, when I go to a game to scout, I pretty much want to be Jason Spezza. Uh, that one game, you know, what the what was it, the World Juniors, when he was just going through his oh, notes? Yeah. That's what I want to be. Yeah. All right, so we're going to close this one off. Are you good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we went a little longer than what we're, we're trying to go for an hour each, each Thursday. Um, Hour seems like a good time. You know, you can fit it on a lunch break. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. don't forget to rate and review. We haven't had a rating or a review posted. So get to it. See the little ticker on the bottom? Just do it. Go to it. Yeah. Go to our, uh, any 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 social media, or sorry, any platform that you get a podcast from. I, I probably think that we're on it. Subscribe, download, rate, review. Go to DraftKings, put in our promo code. Let's hit it. And lastly, obviously, as you can see at the bottom, we also don't get a lot of DMs or or feedback. And we need to get feedback because we need to see what works. Without feedback, without a rate of review, without a subscription, or um, you subscribing or listening, there's no point in us doing a podcast because it's just we're just talking in the open air. So let's get some opinions on what you think we should do and not do and all those kind of cool things. And, yeah, uh, DM us. Uh, hit us up on Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok. I think on our website we've got our email. Uh, so, so go check that out because we'll tell you a little story. The other day I was at a person's house at work, and I showed them the website. That was my go-to. Uh, he wanted to, we were talking about website building and stuff, and I showed him, and he said it was a good website. Like he said, I did a good job. So I want to hear from you guys to see because your guys' opinion matters more than just some some customer that I, I worked for at his house. Alrighty, on that note, have a good night. Subscribe, like, comment, and get, let's get a go leaves go in the in the in the in the ending here. Go leaves go. Go leaves go. Go Leafs go, Scott. No, no, no. Nah, okay. Too bad Kyle wasn't there. <laughs>
Can well, I, so I can another sing, one? You can sing Eye of the Tiger or something? I will. Rising up, back on the streets. Took my time, took my chance. I think I messed up the words. 